One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun and see you later. Hi everyone, Ben here. I'd just like to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. Rob Sheridan, Andrew Bushell, Quentin Walker, Dylan Parkhurst, Linda Jean, Neon Gray, Holly Aitchinson, Andrea Rourke, Bat Momar, John Dondero. Thank you all. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com forward slash Rusty Quill and take a look at our rewards.
Rusty Quill presents The, the Magnus, Magnus Archives. <laughs> right. Hello and welcome to our assistant special of The Magnus Archives. We're in our season break at the moment and we thought we would take the time and catch up with some of the assistants for the archive because we all listen to a certain Jonathan Sims rather a lot on Magnus Archives. <laughs> yeah. So I thought we might spend some time with people other than Johnny. With that in mind, who have I got with me today? we got Mike, who plays Tim Stoker. And, and Lydia, who plays Melanie. So, first things first then. Obviously, you play Tim, Mike. You play Melanie, Lydia. Well done. And yep. I play Martin. Solid yep. remembering. Good job there. So, what do you actually think about your own characters? <laughs> oh, I knew the heavy stuff was going to come out first. No. I'm happy to lead the charge and say, whilst Martin's lovely, I think he'd drive me completely up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd be, yeah. I'd be like, no, you're lovely. Stop, no, stop, stop. Just, <laughs> just go, go visit pets at home and stroke some animals for yeah. them, Martin, and you'll feel better. <laughs> but for for the rest of you, how what are your actual takeaways of the characters that you play? Well, uh, go on then, I'll go next. So my my character, I've always found... Well, since season two, I've found a <laughs> bit of a struggle. <laughs> Mostly because he started off very happy-go-lucky and sort of, you know, very lively, very chipper, and then... Uh, the, yeah, well, without I'm, am I allowed to give spoilers? Yeah, you are, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Well, towards the end of season two, uh, everything kind of goes to pot and Tim becomes horrendously depressed um, <laughs> to the point where my character was the polar opposite of what I was originally brought on to do. <laughs> it's um, a bait and switch, really. Yeah, it literally was the best bait and switch. I think it really well. I... I <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I enjoy it. I do really enjoy it. It gives me a moment of quiet contemplation so I can consider my life decisions at least once a month. But, like, at the same time, I if I were to meet Tim, I'd just slap him. I'd, uh, I'd he, fall backhand as well, pimpering everything. He's had a rough time of it. He's he, had a very rough time of it. He's had a very it, but, rough time of it. But come on. But look at his support network. Yeah. Or yeah. the lack thereof. Lack thereof, yeah. I think that that is the main problem, is that there is no predefined support network for Tim. He he needs, like, something <laughs> to anyone, pull him out. Anyone. And after that happens, if that happens, it, things will probably get better for Tim. But, hey, we'll have to see. It's, yeah, it's a horrible. Podcast. I'm sure that getting a, fine, a wonderful yeah. support network yeah. and the tools to work through his yeah, his, yeah. his traumas and uh, lots of hugs and puppies is exactly what's going to happen. Well, uh, the thing is, they'll be readily available, but never accessible. Oh, <laughs> um, like Tantalus's support <laughs> network. <laughs> Mm. Well, that's that's still brighter than what I was thinking. The tools to deal with your problems in the Magnus universe generally consist of some kind of book or like a gun yeah. or a yeah. knife or fire. Fire is a good one. Yeah, it's being oblivious seems to be the only <laughs> power. Know you know what? So far, yeah, being yeah. completely oblivious. There's there's your solution. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Lydia? Playing Melanie, how have you been finding it? How do you, what do you think of your character? I still want to know why and how she was shot by a ghost. I want to know like, that. I don't know. <laughs> right? Is that none of us do. None no, of genuinely, us do. the that only person Johnny who... will not. Well, he won't tell me. The only person who knows is Johnny, and he has abjectly refused to tell us. Uh, it's um, it's a little frustrating. <laughs> uh, it's I... only a major defining character moment that drove you back towards the Magnus archives. <sighs> Yeah, exactly. It's not like you need to know what your motivations are. Yeah. <laughs> right, 
so I started out, obviously I started later than you two and uh, came in, I thought it was probably going to be for a one-off early on. And uh, the only characteristic that I gave her really was that it was, you know, how far is the rod up her ass on any particular given day? Um, and since then, I've sort of developed that into, well, she it's very important to her that she seems competent and she yes. seems to lash out the moment that she doesn't really know what's going on or that she thinks other people think she doesn't know what's going on. Um, and so, yeah, that's the, the one way you could hurt her the most. <laughs> it's probably like, yeah, I think probably her, her ideal torch would be something like the spiral where it's like she's given a test and she hasn't <laughs> studied for it. Or potentially like Ikea furniture when yeah. she's the only one and doesn't have a handbook. Yeah. <laughs> um, like the alum key doesn't quite fit. Yeah. yeah. Oh. There's other people doing it who do have all the bits and yeah. are doing really well. Yeah, and it's yeah. fine. And everything's right? okay. Yeah, like, and so they keep offering to help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. wanted help, I'd ask for it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Non-branded he man <laughs> slash green thing smash, right? Smash. Smash anger, yes. Smash anger. Um, yeah, so she's still got some cheer in her, which is ridiculous. I think the last time that I played her, she was inviting Martin to the pub. Yes! So yes. Uh, there's actually some, some happiness, which is obviously a cruelty. <laughs> <laughs> playing the characters. So we, obviously we know like what you think about them and stuff like that. But when it comes to actually playing the characters, obviously like for all of us, these aren't us. Like, they're really, really not yeah. us as people. I mean, like, uh, Tumblr, <laughs> Tumblr, you would have absolutely no sympathy with Alex in real life. <laughs> I'm horrible. Like, he's, um, he's awful. No kittens for Alex. But in all seriousness, obviously, like, you have to have an in. You have to have an in for your character. You have to have a way to get in and actually, like, portray that. Yeah. So I'm curious, because, Mike, starting with you, you've had the most change, because you're in initially when we were sort of going over character stuff was very much yeah that positivity and it was that it was almost like if the magnus archives needed to have a pr face like <laughs> yeah. it'd be mike you know come join the magnus archives yeah, the yeah. Person who, we've got books yeah and... who does the finger guns and everything <laughs> yeah, like yeah. points and yeah you know we just look at our merch we've got merch have you and, heard about the merch and yeah. most of the characterization for that just consisted of reining it in a bit yeah exactly but, um now that's kind of gone. So what's your in now? Because I'd actually say that you're getting really good at just switching as a character, Tim, on and off. Well, I feel, I mean, this is a horror podcast, but I feel like I'm going to bring the tone down now. So basically in the season one stuff, like you say, it was very, it was very easy for me because my my character outside of the character is very, I feel it's very lively and bubbly. And if you saw the, the yeah. Christmas live stream, then that, that basically is who we are as, mm. you know, as people. Um, and having to make that switch around season two was very, very difficult. That was tough. To the beginning, for the beginning of it, literally, you know, you guys probably don't know who are listening, but we have show notes at the, at the in the middle and at the end of everything that we do. And Alex sits through and takes us through a couple of his thoughts and we discuss ideas about how we could have played that scene differently or better or whatever. It's, it's almost like respecting your actors, but but not. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> All, almost like giving a helping hand, but it, with the helping hand is also a whoopee cushion. So... <laughs> what we actually, what we ended up doing, Alex and I, during the beginning few times, was that we'd sit down and Alex would be like, you have to be less of that. <laughs> it, was, it was just, yeah. Have I think less fun. Yeah. I, I think you were thrown by just how hard a change 
the character had to go Massively. through. Because at first it was very much like, okay, so you want it still to be sort of like Tim, just maybe a little bit sedate. He's like, no, no, no. This is like... Broken Completely individual. broken. There is nothing left. No hope left about anything. And that in the beginning was very difficult. But now, if going back to the original question, my in to getting there is actually to think about everything in my life that has gone wrong <laughs> all at once. Yeah, pretty much. And then that is how I hit the tone of Tim when I come into the but, recording but studio. But that makes sense, because, I mean, from Tim, like, the way we were discussing it as a character was, like, we only really started making progress when we realised it was best to just... You are not playing Tim anymore. No. You're playing another person who is still called Tim, almost. Like, because it was just... Yeah. We had to take it right back down to zero... I mean, like you said, it's it's very much a case of we we had to go back beyond zero. I feel to to kind of get to where I am with Tim now because I have to remove everything from my mind that was what Tim was in season one and know that that character is still there underneath everything else. Sure. I mean, as someone that listens, it feels like there's still there's still like the shape of the character there because it's coming out now in very dry humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what's sort of clever about it is it's not an empowered dry humour. It's not a, I'm laughing at what's happening to me yet. It's just, it's a really bitter dry humour. Lydia, playing playing Melanie, what's your, what's your in? Because again, I think we had a harder time with it at the start, but so, you've gotten really good similarly at just sort of adopting that persona now. So I am not a voice actor. I, I've done quite a lot of recorded stuff, but it's always been me doing mm. the work. Yeah. And I really struggle with a lot of kinds of performing because I, I essentially don't have a poker face and I've worked quite hard on a lot of things like improv skills and presentation skills. So, um, Like you're a very skilled speaker. Yeah, yeah so that, sure. that's things that I do as me. And so it's actually quite strange. I haven't actually acted as another character in terms of like how the character themselves is... I tend to think of like, is she doing work that she's proud of right now? So in the first thing where they're in the the old hospital, oh yeah, the yeah, frustration yeah. is her job didn't work. Yes, and she doesn't understand why. Yeah, and so she's almost that's almost more of a problem than the the fear. Mm. I, I saw this thing and I don't have the answer. Whereas mm. like she's she's the producer, right? Like her whole character is that she's a producer. Mm. She makes stuff happen and she makes stuff work and she knows people and she gets things to um and then in quite a few other things, like all the things that have happened since, there was just something spun out. Like where she went and broke into that train carriage, it's all very planned. Yeah. yeah like yeah, she's yeah. a producer, she works out how to do it. I had to go there, there was a lot of security, but I found a way in. Yeah, yeah. And then all spirals out of control and so this is horrible for her. So that's why I actually think that she quite enjoyed the time that she read the statement of the guy in the bed. Because there she's doing her job and at the end she's going through all the files mm, and it's mm. just like well this is okay this yeah. is a working day and uh, you know similarly i'm not going to spoil it too specifically but you know there's a lot of things where there's like oh, okay here's a terrible threat to you that someone's made a horrible threat what's the obvious solution yes. take out the threat <laughs> um, like i actually was a bit annoyed that it was done so clumsily but <laughs> there's a, there's a bit true. of you like, we did have a big discussion about well I mean if I was Melanie which I sort of am <laughs> better, because I happen to know that what she's using wouldn't really work yeah, in that yeah, way yeah. so yeah yeah I, like I, I sort of you know you think well she's under a lot of pressure um, <laughs> uh, but yeah so I, 
and that, that's why I think that, you know it makes sense for it to click with Basira. So yeah, when it comes to playing Martin, there's a bit of a weird juxtaposition there because on the one hand, I'd argue that he's been used earlier for a lot of the comedy. Like again, he was he's a foil. He's a foil mm. to to the the dour archivist. But on mm. the flip side, that isn't enough for a character. So it meant that we've had to sort of dial up things other than just oh wacka 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 mm. how inept. But part of that means that when it comes to playing Martin, I basically looked back, picked all of the things about myself that I left by the wayside in a younger version, oh. and then just make that the entire person. Oh. Oh. Oh, no, genuinely. Oh, like, this, is, this is an insight into all of the worst bits of Alex about 10 years ago. Oh. But obviously the, the caring thing, yeah. I mean, that's a weakness, obviously. <laughs> caring people is a weakness. But I just mean like that, that nervousness, yeah. that um, like obsession with uh, trying to make things work yeah. and so on. Like I basically just hunted down a bunch of negative yeah. characteristics like, yeah it's true that needing to fix everyone is definitely something that you oh it's something that i it's so common and then you you yeah. do genuinely have to kind of like sometimes you just be like yeah martin not everyone will like you all of the time yeah, and that's yeah. okay it's, martin's that's okay. very much an 18 year old Oh, like that's what Martin. Like I realise the character a is good not that. Eighteen-year-old, but you know yeah. what I mean. Such a good but it is an eighteen-year-old where <laughs> yeah. someone older comes along and goes, "Listen, one, people are gonna hate you. Yeah, yeah. Two, that's okay. Yeah. And three, you can't fix everyone. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, and he has the best of intentions. But right, yeah, that's but... so. I like that's me just hunting down for oh, all of the hard lessons. I just want to <laughs> give him a hug. You just need a hug. He needs to grow up. You know I did it. So could he. Genuinely, genuinely, when I listen to Martin on the Magnus Archives, I just want to give him a hug. Yeah. And then I have to come in and play a character that snubs <laughs> him constantly. And I'm just like, but I like you. But I'm obliged to hate you. Contractually obliged yeah. to be a... The narrative gods require me to, yeah. to ruin your life. Okay. Is so, that what you want us to call you now? The narrative gods. You and gods. Johnny. The, the... Oh, I didn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I did. You kind of um, did. It's on, yeah, it's on you, you did, everything now. You got evidence. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> so... What were your favourite character moments then? So we've been sort of discussing a few specific examples. In any type, whether it was horror, just good acting, funny, whatever, for your character specifically, what would you say are the bits that you actually like really enjoyed? Because certainly from my perspective, I find it really hard to do that. Because for me, it's always I'm looking at the work. So I'm starting going, oh, I could have done that. Oh, I probably should have tweaked that. Oh, I could have improved that. So I found it quite difficult to home in on I really enjoyed this. No, I hate all of it. Fair. Fair. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible and experience. Wouldn't do it again. Cut there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do right. We're done. Yeah? Um, <laughs> off the chips. Yay. <laughs> oh, production meals. Um, well, we started with me a few times. Do you want to go first, Luke? Oh, um, I'm no. happy to go first if you I was going to say you, you go first. Sure, sure. All right, go on, Alex. So there were a few of mine that I liked. I liked doing Dig. Um, because doing the statements is a nice moment where you can kind of lay aside the character that you normally play and play sort of someone else. And I've especially been enjoying them recently because I'm. it's almost like I'm not doing the statement. I'm doing an impression of how Johnny would perform the statement. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah I see yeah. what you mean. So there's yeah. an added layer to that which makes it quite fun and quite interesting. Mm. Um, from a like, From a comedy perspective... I know a lot of people, it's cringe humour, and I personally hate cringe humour. <laughs> oh, no. Trying to going. pay the um, statement oh. giver was 
um, <laughs> improvised. <laughs> so whilst yeah. the statement, like we had a, a couple of bullet points to hit, mm. and one of them was that, that she's under the impression that she's going to get paid, but pulling out money and paying for it was just off the cuff. Oh. And that entire take that we finally used was basically Lowry desperately trying to not react out of character <laughs> as she's crying with laughter suppressing it because yeah. it came from like completely left field so that was good fun because we got a great take <laughs> but literally on the other side of the microphone is I have her biting her lips desperately <laughs> trying not to laugh so it was quite nice I enjoyed that I can't wait if there's off cuts of that I really <laughs> cannot wait I, I did enjoy that a lot uh, so my favourite would be I can't even remember which episode it was but the first time I came in and had an argument with Johnny on yes so at that point you were still quite early on in oh recording. yeah yeah and we were still recording on the blankets yeah 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 and the fact that so me and johnny have known each other 10 years and from the beginning that was through comedy theater at university and like we just could not keep a straight face yeah. i think it took, <laughs> yeah, you, it took yeah. a long time to like and well over an hour, it took I think. A long time re- for like five minutes. Or yeah, um, I can believe it. But but that I mean that actually means that the energy in the thing yeah. is two oh, yeah, yeah. people that are frustrated <laughs> and are really wound because up. You're on take thirty, and that's and that's because like we're both looking at each other. Daring each other to crack up. I think there was like by the end of it, there was just like the complex web of in jokes about the fact because the, the the light on the corridor as well so yeah the, the back oh, the, yeah. the back story as well right so we were recording <laughs> under a blanket in martin martin and sarah's corridor and the light in the hallway was it's a disco light a disco light yeah so you're under a blanket shouting at each other and then you kept Take it off while Alex is reviewing the sound and working out how to direct your next take. And you're like, and then you just start dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Then you put the blanket back on and you're shouting at each other and uh, trying to wind each other up in as different characters while also winding each other up as real people. It's a total roller coaster ride. It was. It was. It was brilliant. I don't miss the disco corridor. I really miss the disco corridor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved that corridor. Dance party. Yeah, all the time, every yeah. take. So, yeah. what was yours then, hit Mike? After what hit, was, what after your hit. Favorite moments, Ben. <laughs> uh, there are a few. There are a few that stick out. I think one of my favorite scenes to shoot was the one where Martin and Tim. And the backstory to this was that the recording that we were doing at that point was in the corner of a room. And so it was Martin and Tim running away from not Sasha and then having to run down corridors, bunny ears, (laughs) and then pant and be out of breath. Uh, oh, we did so literally, many takes. Me, Alex, and I were stood <laughs> so in a corner uh, for about eight takes, literally just going. <laughs> <laughs> and that was before we set the audio running, so that we would actually be out of breath by the time we got to shooting. See, that's the thing is, everyone likes the exciting episodes, you know, where a lot happens as a way of breaking yeah. it up. I cannot stress enough: there yeah. is no better way to feel like a complete. <laughs> than yeah. pretending to have fights or pretending to run like God, recording combat's the worst. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It makes yeah. you feel such an idiot. But, but I'll tell you what, it was flipping good fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like the sprinting at a wall over and over again, <laughs> and we were actually jogging on the spot as well, like to it's try and get nonsense. ourselves in the mind of the character. And it's uh, nonsense. Like, I mean, 
the the production level like quality level on the Magnus and gaming I like I can say it's absurdly high because I don't do any of the work like it's Alex and his team of extraordinary editors uh that do that but it means that like the stuff that they end up demanding of us in order to produce the right foley or the right kind of attitude or the right <laughs> like you get some very bizarre asks finishing up then with the last bit of like how what is your relationship with horror so you as a person not your not your characters let's not get like really meta with it or anything but for each of you how are you engaging with horror how are you interacting with it even if it's just i hate horror which i don't think is the case for either of you but nonetheless like how do you engage with it as a genre so i have no interest in being upset scared by media sure but i have a long relationship with horror as a thing to make and a thing that is that has an interesting kind of commentary on the world yeah so but like we were talking earlier actually today about like the british horror tradition which um from vertigo and alan moore and karen berger uh, which I see the Magnus Archives as being, like, it fits very nicely within that tradition because it's a very politically aware, clever, psychological horror um, that is of its time and reflects kind of ideas and fears of the current kind of era. So we were yeah. talking here, uh, earlier about like the arc of Swamp Thing where it starts out oh, yeah. like, uh, as yeah, a yeah. B-movie type. Guy turns into a compost heap. Yeah, 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 basically guy turns into a compost heap. <laughs> yeah, guy and his wife are in a, in a place. They get blown up and the wife dies because motivation, that's what we're good for. Um, guy <laughs> turns into a compost heap and then wants to like avenge her because that's where we are. Um, and like it's pretty B-movie. It's, pretty, it's a good... B movie, but then Alan Moore comes in and it changes. Like there's this incredible kind of shift as it becomes about identity and bodies and psychology yeah. and your yeah. real connection to the earth. And it has all those weird LSD sex scenes. See, I, um, for, for that specifically, I was always fascinated with because um, it was Alan Moore that really dove into it. The whole he's fine unless you're afraid and then the fear like hurts so then he gets like aggressive like that's mm. that was a lovely way of exploring a lot of stuff absolutely because shocker people who work on the magnus archives are interested in the fear and yeah. fear as a mechanism yeah. and yeah etc yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah a little bit yeah, I feel, I feel like, yeah. so yeah uh, i love horror as a mechanism to talk about interesting scary things uh, it's a good lens. Yeah, but I've got absolutely no interest in watching horror films and getting freaked out. You know, sure. I find I find that really interesting, actually, because coming on board with the Magnus Archives was a massive step change for me. Yeah. Because I don't know about all the awesome writers that you guys know about, and I'm, I'm sort of starting to learn about it because I'm interested. Um, you know, and I'm interested in Johnny's motivations and uh, Alex and Lid's motivations and all the other guys on the cast as well. And for me... I used to deal with comedy. You know, my my yeah, YouTube yeah. channel was a comedy channel and coming into the Magnus archives and then editing it and, you know, playing a character in it was just the polar opposite of everything that I'd ever known or was used to. Because like you, Lydia, I don't... There is some horror that I enjoy watching, but I don't really enjoy being scared, inverted commas, mm. by by media and what have you you know there's enough of that in the world already um so i'm i'm very much of the opinion that i prefer things that aren't horror mm. so then playing yeah. <laughs> playing a character in a horror podcast for me 
gives me that that perspective of what would happen if someone came in and they didn't have the first idea about any of this law or you know yeah, yeah. I mean obviously I know about things like the eldritch horror I mean you know yeah, stuff sure, like sure. that you know I'm I'm familiar with it um I've listened to a few of the audiobooks now mm. that, that was introduced to me by by a friend of mine and his brother that was my entry into mm. a lot of the things that you I think you guys have been thinking about for a while and some of the the sort of stuff that's sitting in the background and I'm actually learning about this stuff as I'm going through playing the character, listening to the stories, listening back to everyone's work and yeah, that's yeah where I pitch in. See, I'm a bit of a weird one when it comes to horror. So shocker, teenage boy likes horror, stop <gasps> the presses. Whoa. How weird I was. I know, ever. this has never happened before literally <laughs> ever. So I was, shocker, I was a little bit of an obsessive kid in certain ways. And one of them is, if you introduce me to an author, I'll read every single thing they ever read and then I'll move on to the next author and then read every single thing they ever read and move on and so on. Yeah. But for me with horror, I'm a little bit broken in that I've genuinely never found any piece of horror media that's really, or very rarely at least, found anything that actually hasn't, affect on me like i don't get that kind of emotional Mm. response it just doesn't really work for me yeah but i've engaged with horror a lot both like writing myself or in making like it's been a while like film and and so on but i'd say my main in has been sort of cinema and so on but for a lot of it it comes down to horror is an excellent technical example Mm. for working in fiction oh yeah because there's a reason that if you are starting a a new production company or you're trying to break into film yeah almost everyone makes horror yeah and there's a reason for it and it's that it has a lot of very very clearly codified tropes trend and techniques yeah you know if you want to do horror oh is your character is your character feeling uh, psychologically unbalanced chuck in a dutch angle in there rotate the camera by about you know 25 degrees and then maybe do a tilt shift to mess around with like some Mm. distances and so on but i think horror is one of the genres more than any other where it allows technique to shine absolutely because if you are bad it does not matter how good your monster is or how mm-hmm. good your conceit is, your thing will be garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's peculiar in that everyone always goes to horror because they know horror best, mm-hmm. but it's also in a lot of ways the least forgiving. I think comedy and horror actually have quite a lot in common. In yeah. that They're all about you, you have to be playing with the audience's energy. Like you have to be exactly aware of where they are on any kind of yeah. arc. To yeah. To yeah. break the tension at exactly the right point. So I think the fact that most of us of the wider team knew each other through comedy and were mm. trained in comedy. Like comedy is the hard <laughs> I think it's the hardest thing to do well. Yeah. I and to do really well. And that means that you're you and you I think in many ways you have to lose your ego to be good at it because you have to be willing to mess up in the most embarrassing ways. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. your first hundred five minutes on an open mic night are gonna be horrendous. Mm. Um yeah. and that allows you to then play with energy and timing. We've got to draw to a close. I think we've had a lot of discussion. I know we'd like to go into stuff in some more detail, but, you know, time is a thing that we have to factor. No! Um, Neither uh. that nor space! (laughs) Does this mean part two? (laughs) So, what I would ask then is, what if you had to recommend one piece of horror for listeners, not necessarily like, you love the Magnus Archives, so you will like this, but something more like, if you want to know horror, you should try this. I think, not already this podcast, but... uh, Reading that early Vertigo stuff, 
um, that British psychological horror twist. Mm. And there's only you you probably only need to get through a bunch of like you know maybe a hundred rather short comics. It can be read in a relatively short period of time, and you begin to see this. You see this whole world change, and I think it's a really interesting direction shift that changed a lot of horror that came after it. Um, but I'm not an expert, so it, it, it could well be that other people be like, no, this other writer came well before. But uh, reading through the early Swamp Thing and then how that exploded into Sandman and Hellblazer and a lot of other like related characters was super valuable to me. How uh, about you, Mike? So from the way that I've engaged with horror, I guess... There are, like Lydia said, there are lots of different styles and there are lots of different elements. But if you want a pure, in my opinion, kind of perspective on different kinds of horror that exist within one place or one universe or one thing, mm-hmm. Alien Isolation sure. is mm-hmm. a fantastic way to get into it because. Having having a think about other gaming titles, there are a lot of gaming titles like Dead Space and things like that, sure, which sure. which give you weaponry to be able to deal with whatever threat is coming which after is you. Not- which is it's horror, but it's a once removed kind of because you know that the threat is always at arm's reach if you need it to be, yeah. unless that's taken away from you. And in Alien Isolation, it is. Mm. There is a constant threat, and it will never go away, and it follows you throughout the entire game. I'm generally too terrified by the very concept to think about picking it up. It's, it's an excellent <laughs> yeah. examination of tension. Yeah, well, not just tension, though. I'd, I'd say it's more than that. Building on your point is that it's tension, but it's also the subjugation of an individual within a sure. tense environment. And sure. and there are points where you have weaponry, but you still can't do anything to get rid of the main threat. Mm. So, you know, and then there are other elements as well, like, you know, stealth bits and, you know, yeah, so yeah. There's, there's things in there. Well, it's a, it's yeah. a really good example of of taking those those important bits that we think in like western horror especially in horror sci-fi obviously yeah obviously but because it has to turn them into mechanics it highlights them in a really interesting way yeah so it does like if you go into it with a with a critical eye yeah like trying to like engage yourself and learn you can learn a lot just by playing that game by going oh i see what you're doing with the music yeah yeah exactly look at how you've set this space out to focus on i see yeah it's a good it's a good demonstration if you choose to interpret it that way and you know what as well for those of you who aren't aren't gamers and are listening to this if you want a, a get in i would recommend the film version of 2001 <laughs> space odyssey <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah, because it again has its well it has a, it has a total removal of power mm. that then becomes horrifying um, but if you haven't seen it i won't spoil it so. <laughs> just saying i think it, i think it hasn't been out long enough for people yeah, it, to have caught it it's been it's been not that long since it was originally released um, so yeah i, I agree with you, I'll admit yeah. I worked really hard to make sure I read that in the year 2000 <laughs> and, and, and as basically a child went eh <laughs> um, so my recommendation is going to be a bit generic but it comes with an, an addendum which is I recommend reading a random selection of Lovecraft but with a very very key consideration which is yeah Lovecraft did a lot for cosmic horror and so on but the guy was really problematic author. <laughs> really, really problematic. For his time as and well. That's, yeah, that's like, an important for thing. For his time. He was a to, bigot for his time. It is easy to read his stuff and go, well, you know, it's the past. Like, no, no, no. Like, even at the time, he was an extremely problematic author. But what I would say is, 
if you choose to engage with it critically. And again, this is me, the soulless robot man who's always concerned with the how. But <laughs> if you actually really dig into it and you want to wrap your head around horror, it's a good way for you to read it and go, I see what should have been different there. Or I see how this could be problematic. And there's a very important aspect with horror that people forget, especially on the creation side, which is when you make something, you are telling people something. You are not just telling a story. You yeah, are exactly. telling someone everything, yeah. everything that you make has a message. Yeah. And sometimes that message can either be not what you thought yeah. or can be the opposite. Yeah. If you yeah. want to tell a story about a strong female character in, in, in Bunny Ears, except at the end of it, all the audience thinks is, wow, that was a really flat one dimensional character. Congratulations. Yeah. Your message is almost certainly not what you hoped no and lovecraft is a really great one to dig into especially the um insmouth fish people one as, a, as one of the examples where okay. it's like interesting i get i get the horror and i get why it's scary and there's bits i to take but it's a really good example of something that you can read and you can't just go oh yes that was brilliant job done you have to yeah. engage with it and you have to go okay if you were wanting to make something as horror as this what bits do you leave behind what bits are not appropriate what bits do not fit our modern world Mm. or even let's be frank the world that he was writing (laughs) um but it's just it's very easy to read passively and it's very easy to watch something and go that was scary therefore it was good and it's like ah i'm inclined to agree having very recently been introduced to the actual the written version and the audio version of i think it was what's it the dunwich horror Yes, the Dunwich Horror, yes. Yeah, the Dunwich Horror. I I recently heard the audio version of that, and having listened to it for the first time, I totally agree. (laughs) Yeah, I totally... You can literally see the points where you can go... Ah, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think we will wrap up there. Yes, we're going to have to put a reading list on these shows. Yeah, yeah we actually we, are. We, we, will, we will put together a reading list so that it's things that we think that you should probably give a go. Uh, apart from that, I think that we're done here. I think we've covered assistance. <laughs> I think that we've covered... Alex like, wants us moment. out of his house. Literally I, just, yeah. I am tired. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, thanks for both of you coming. And thanks so much for listening. And thanks for bearing with us over this season break. Mm-hmm. Next week, we should be returning to our previously scheduled program programming uh exciting times i mean coming back i might just i might just decide to hold off the cliffhanger for another six months just to see what happens (laughs) who knows true horror that really is yeah but uh yeah i think think we'll wrap up there so uh thanks for me and thanks from everyone else bye thanks everyone bye This episode is distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. For more information, visit RustyQuill.com. Tweet us at the Rusty Quill, visit us on Facebook or email us at mail at RustyQuill.com. Thanks for listening. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. 
Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.